Come on in. Hi. I'm Kevin Green. This is my wife, Carrie. Um, and I don't know, there probably will be a few people that uh, come in here shortly. Um, this is the first time that Carrie and I have done this. And so um, you'll, if you turn to page 19 of your book, you'll see a very brief outline. And so I'll walk through just to start kind of what the topics are that we're going to what we're going to cover. Um, um, first of all, let me say that we we by all means don't think that we have all the answers, and in, in we're we're pretty humbled actually that we were asked to do this. Um, I guess since since we have uh, ten years in now this year, um, you know that's a little bit counter to some of the statistics that you'll hear about a, a little bit later. So. Um, Carrie is, by all means, uh, my better two-thirds, and um, she is she is uh, she is a rock for our family. So um, I've been very blessed um, to be um, hitched with her. Um, in terms of what we're going to cover, on page 19, the 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 outline is a little bit um, different than what Carrie submitted. So just kind of to talk about what we're going to go through, we're going to start out with myths and statistics. That's sort of the first broad topic. And then uh, secondly, if under the Brady Bunch myth, where it, um, on, that, on page 19 where it says key stepping stones, um, that is the second broad topic. And we'll be happy if you want to give us our email, your email at the end of the time. We'll be happy to email our entire notes to you if you want us to do that so you don't have to sit here and write all um, our notes down. If you and then uh, flipping over, um, the third broad topic is really a, a road map to guide you at the top of page 20. And the fourth broad topic is... So where do we go from here? That's um, so that's that's kind of the ground that we're going to try to cover. Um, as I said, we haven't done this before, so I have no idea how how um, much we'll get in. But um, you know, this is meant to be interactive. So you know, if there are th- specific things that you would like to talk about and discuss, then by all means, stop us down and ask. And and uh, to the extent that we have something to contribute or, or others do, then um, we'll be happy to do that. Um, you know, parenting is an art, not a science anyway, so uh, some of it is, is um, some. it's not like there's a, a rule book out there that's great for anybody in a, in a blended family. It's A lot of the rules kind of seem to go out the window anyway because you're dealing with some kind of unique circumstances. Um, I guess a little bit about us. Um, I brought a, a son into our marriage um, who is now 23. He was 13 at the time that we got married. Uh, so 12. 12? No, we, he was 12 when we were dating. Okay. <laughs> so he was he was he was hitting like the, a really hard time in his life anyway. Um, and me being sort of a naive and not so um, forward-looking dad, you know, it's no big deal to me. But uh, it, it definitely created some situations that were interesting immediately in our marriage. And Kevin had been single for. A I had long. been single for a t- for 
almost 12 years. So, I mean, he was um, he was only one when I got divorced. So, um, I thought I was done. I thought there, there was never going to be another marriage. And then, you know, God had other plans and um, blessed me with Carrie. So, um, Carrie brought in a two-year-old um, to our marriage. And so, he, he's been a little bit different. And we'll talk probably more about that. But... You know, I was around him a lot from the very start, and so we had an opportunity to have a, 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 a great relationship, and, you know, he's 12 now, so um, that's going to serve me well, I think, um, as we go through the sort of hellion years, if you will. Um, and then we have together uh, Grace, who's eight, and, um, you know, I think that she kind of has been for us a galvanizing thing because she brought the boys together where you know we couldn't contrive um, we couldn't contrive sort of the things that occurred there that um, just you know emotionally bonded our blended family um, and you know we'd be happy to talk more about that also. Um, so, as I said, we've been married 10 years now. This, is, In fact, 10 years, October 30th. Sort of a free free tip for the guys. Um, all you can do is screw up on the anniversary thing. And so, um, just a foreshadowing. There's there's going to be a nice little... Um, a nice little um, second honeymoon coming up for, for <laughs> Carrie. And... Man, you got to do it. I mean, that's one of the topics that we'll talk about is is loving your spouse and loving them well. And, and I think guys need to lead out on that. And it's not something that necessarily comes natural. Uh, it doesn't come natural for me, I should say that. Um, in terms of, I guess, just to take a survey of the class, like we, we talked briefly to a couple of you, and I know some of you, so... Um, how, many, how many have been married less than 10 years or remarried? So how, how long have y'all been been married? Okay. One year, October first was our one year anniversary, uh-huh. and then we've been together three. Uh, I was married nine years before, uh-huh. bringing a ten-year-old daughter to the relationship. Yeah, and I was married eight years, and we have three daughters, and bringing three girls in. So are all those kids in the house? Yes. Okay. Sixteen to eight. Very nice. <laughs> And then I'm married too, and I brought a, a son and daughter in marriage. Yeah, four or five. And, mm-hmm. and, and so your your wife was she married previously? No. Okay. No, it's a good chance for her. Yeah. She <laughs> yeah. yeah. had two kids with it. And then you have one together. Is yeah. that what you said? Okay. He's, he's turned one by two. Okay. Yeah. And then y'all have been married two years? Is that what you said? Two and a half? And I have a 10-year-old and 8-year-old. They were whatever, 86 or 5 and 7 when we were dating. And I waited 9 and old. Okay. And then over here? We're uh, just dating. That's great. And you know what? That so you're uh, thinking about it, huh? And dating. Yeah. <laughs> and we and we um and the reason we asked this question was we posed the talk in 
Um, part of it was, and, and we weren't even going to talk about it if there wasn't anyone in here that w- that came in to, hey, we're we're considering this. Um, so it's good to know. I have a, I'm the one that's bringing in the child. I have a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then. I'm here to see what it looks like. <laughs> Again, <laughs> great. Get my feet wet and see. Right. Um, it's scary. So. To trust the Lord with all this. Yeah. And you have. Children. I have a daughter that's eleven and a son that's eight. Right. Okay. And Richard. I have a daughter who's seven. Yeah, and that's the boat you were in. You were the um, never going to do this again. I was. I was single, dude, for life. <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not exactly. So any any adopted children in the mix? I mean, we couldn't speak intelligently yeah. about that, but just to know. Okay. Um, okay. Well. So with that, I'm going to hand it off to Carrie, and, and she's going to walk through the, the first topic: the myths and statistics. And um, yeah, I thought this was really interesting, and um, that you know we get a lot of our information nowadays from media and. Um, and of course, the very first um, time that anybody ever heard about blended families was on TV, which was the Brady Bunch. And that really doesn't give us a very accurate picture back then of a true blended family because of three different aspects. Um, when you look back at, um, I'm sure you watched the Brady Bunch, it was one of my all-time favorite shows, <laughs> and I still love, I still will make my kids sit down and watch it today. Um, but three, you know, even if you look back um, if you if you remember watching it, they didn't look like a blended family because everybody was happy, or, you know, everything was perfect. And the only way you even knew that they were a blended family was based on the song, um, where you know there were three girls and three boys, and y'all know the story. Um, but the thing that I thought was very interesting was think about money was so unrealistic. They you know had six kids. Only one person worked, and they had a housekeeper. I mean, today's world, who's doing that, you know? I thought that was very interesting. Um, think about the feelings in um, in the show. Um, they were all, I mean, they had their share of fights, but it was all resolved in 30 minutes. You never saw the, um, you know, slamming of doors. There were no screaming. There was, um, you know, no silent treatments. You never saw... Um, Mike and Carol have a huge fight. None of that happened, um, which I thought was very interesting. And then the last was the time. Mike was always at home. He always shared in all of the... Here we have a housekeeper and a caretaker and a cook, but yet he also shared in all of the household duties. And he was helping with the homework, and he was outside throwing the football, but yet he um, was able to do all of what needed to be done in... um, you know, providing for a great income, but yet helped with all of that. And I just feel like that's very unrealistic and set us up for that this is what the typical blended family should look like, but um, it just is not the norm. And I don't think it just, I think it sets us up for unrealistic expectations. Um, And that brings us to, I searched the web for just the statistics. And I don't know if y'all are aware of the statistics that are out there, but um, I was, um, have a degree in psychology 
And so I knew going into it, I was actually getting my master's in counseling when we were dating. And so I knew the statistics and was just She going, married me despite all that, too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> was going, you're kidding me. These are our statistics. Um, okay, the overall divorce rate, and of course it's gone up. Overall divorce rate, in, since we were um, dating, overall divorce rate in America is between 45 and 50%. Their remarriage divorce rates, when at least one partner has been previously married, are staggering. When one partner has a child from a previous marriage, the divorce rate is 65%. That when both partners had children from previous relationships, the divorce rate was slightly more than 70%. Okay, that's a big number. How common are remarriages? According to Focus on the Family Statistics, 35% of born-again Christians have experienced divorce. 75% of these remarry, and 23% experience divorce a second time. 46% of all weddings in U.S. today are remarriages for at least one partner. Most have children from previous relationships. Approximately 30% of all weddings in U.S. give birth to a stepfamily, and without intervention, around 60-70% to will end in legal divorce. By the year 2010, it is predicted that there will be more stepfamilies in America than any other type of family. So, what do we do to keep our marriages and families intact? If you're fairly new to this journey, you should know. And this is why I think it's very important that y'all are here, and then y'all have only been married a year. Y'all have only been married two and a half years. And as we were doing this, I said, gosh, I wish we would have had this information. And we looked for books. Even today, I went to, um, you know, as we were doing this, I went to... Um, um, Barnes & Noble? Not Barnes, well, I did go to Barnes & Noble, but the first place I went to was the um, Christian Amazon bookstore. Lifeways or Logos or something? Yeah, Logos. Um, there's not one Christian book on um, that they had in their store on blended families. So um, I think it's key that we... Um, Say, you know, um, we have a community and we talk about it, and um, it's it's a very relevant topic, I think. So, kind of moving into the sort of the stepping stones um, to the journey of, of you know working through issues related to blended families and whatnot. Um, y'all haven't run out after hearing the stats, so that's a <laughs> that's a key sign for us that um, you're still interested. Um, we um, we did have the benefit of some pre-marriage counseling, um, and and Carrie, um, with this sort of psychology background, um, you know, she studies things, you know, like exhaustively. I would have just sort of gone into it and said, you know, have faith, my faith's enough, and um, you know, I, I think it's important to understand those things because. While you might think that those statistics are somehow different because we're believers and um, because we have a faith that we profess, it, as you all know, we don't all live that stuff out, right? I mean, um, the, the, the statistics are are while there's no, there's no reliable source out there, indications are the statistics for believers are just like the rest of society. So. I think it's important to understand that because if you're going to do things differently, then it needs to be an intentional and um, and um, I mean you have to be aware of that when you go in, right? Um, if you're going to do something differently, it has to be intentional. Um, 
And so on the stepping stones for us, I mean, first of all, um, if your relationship is not Christ-centered, um, I, I just think that, that it's destined for failure, personally, because I, I don't get how... Um, I don't get how anybody functions without a spiritual basis. I mean, my background is I was raised Catholic, and so um, that's—I don't know if anybody has that in their background, um, but you know, it, it, it wasn't—it was certainly not about a relationship with Christ and and uh, living with a with a view to um, you know recognizing uh, how depraved you are and that that your your saving is through. Christ and that you want to serve Christ. Um, that, that was not my background. And uh, so I became a, a believer late in life, um, you know, early 30s. And um, absent that, I mean, for Carrie and I to have any likelihood of success would have been just ridiculous because uh, I would have continued to roll the way I was rolling, which was, you know, at times pretty ugly. Um, so just the thought that, that number one, the relationship should be Christ-centered, and um, you know everything needs to sort of flow out of that um, that orientation. Um, there's a, there's a couple of verses that I don't know. If, uh, that two of them are given, but I think that you those are good too. Yeah, the the um, Galatians five sixteen and uh, Ephesians four seventeen and, and the verses following. I'm not going to necessarily read all of them because some of them are rather lengthy, but you might jot them down or underline them and have a look at them. Um, the others that I put down in my notes are Second Corinthians five seventeen, and that's about you know living a Christ-centered life. And Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen is Therefore, if any was in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And that just means you're going to live your life differently. And um, that's been important for me. And the other is Galatians 2.20. And um, Galatians 2.20 is, I've been, crucified, I've been crucified and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. And again, that's about... Um, not having the focus on me, 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 um, and living for Christ, and and so those are, you know, that is to me that is the most important stepping stone, and that's not different than anybody else, but but I think it's a it's a key thing to to start with. Um, can I ask you something? Sure. I actually have two questions. Sure. Because I, I was raised Catholic. I'm from California. Mine was the same. I was Catholic by family. Right. I, I grew up Catholic because that's what my family told me I was going to do, and that's where I was going to be on Sundays. Yeah. You know, um, really didn't have that, like you said, really didn't have that whole, you know, spiritual thing with the Lord. It was, hey, this is what you are and who you're going to be. Right. You know, so um, I am too. I just got baptized uh, last year uh, at the age of 31. And so this is when I started to become, or wanting to really become back in the grace of God. But being a blended family and stuff, it's, it's kind of really wearing thin on my faith. You know what I mean? Not that I don't believe, and that's not the case at all. Right. But it's just like, I'm a baby Christian. You know, and, and um, I, I'm a matter of fact, type A alpha male personality where I just want it to be fixed. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't wait sometimes 
for the, the two, three, four, five months. I guess what I'm getting at is, is you know, you say, you know, life centered around Christ. Um, beings that sound like we're a little bit alike, how do you how do you try to focus on that without driving yourself crazy getting there? Yeah. Yeah, and and um, I'm going to flesh that out a little okay. bit um, as we walk through, but I mean, um, putting the putting the action putting putting the words into action for me um, again, it's about being intentional and um, sort of even just rolling through um, the the sort of topics. Um, it's it's being intentional about being in the Word, and not just being in the Word, but studying it. And um, for me, that means I, I get up at you know six thirty and I go to summit on Thursday mornings. Now, you, you know there are all sorts of opportunities for Bible study. For me, the focus on a Bible study should be how do, how am I applying this in my life? Because if I'm not consistently doing something. I can tell you, if if I roll through a month without doing something actively, I'm so screwed up at the end of that month. It's not even funny because I'm I'm all about how can I you know feed my stuff and and, and comfort me and and be selfish and all those sorts of things. Um, one of the other things that um, and and these are some of these things you hear from the from the pulpit from Todd all the time. Um, the um, one of the other things is is being in community. I don't know if you have a community group. Um, you know, community is hard. You know, it, it, sometimes it is a pain in the butt <laughs> because it's about relationships, and relationships aren't easy. You know, people are messy, um, but there's to me there's no better way to grow fast than. You know, relationship with your wife is, you know, you're going to grow pretty fast in that, or, or you're just destined to fail, right? So, community to help sort of process the sort of unique aspects of what you're dealing with, because if you're just sitting around doing what you think is right, and you're not in the Word, and you're not, and you're not with other believers that, you know, care about you and, and legitimately um, um, can help you process that stuff. It's you know it's really hard and it takes a while to get in the right community, identify the people that genuinely care and are invested in you. This you know it's not overnight. I mean you have to go into that with grace and patience and and um, you know eventually you get there. I mean we've it, it's taken a long time for us to get in a community that um, we feel like really cares about us and helps us process. And by the way, there's no other blended family in there. So there are some unique aspects that they don't necessarily get, but they do love us. They know the situation. They'll help us process anything. So um, the other is, and this is this is personal to me. I don't know. This is not even really a topic that's in there, but um, scripture memory has been big for me uh, because one of the things that you said was sort of how you process things. And the reason scripture memory is big for me is because when I started it. I would never have recognized that this was something that would happen. Um, but when I started it, it was just a mechanical exercise. It's like at times it was like, 
holy smokes, man, I don't want to learn that. You know, I'm on, I'm on verse 24 in the book, and it's just, this is a beatdown because you don't remember things at 47 like you did when <laughs> you were, like, like when, when I was doing this, when I was doing this with my son, who's 12, I mean, he's just, he, he locks it in. He looks at the verse one time and walks out the door. Yeah, I got it, mom. It takes me forever to like, lock it in. Oh. And that's just, that's the reality. But the, th- the interesting thing that happened is um, when I did get intentional about it and stuck with it, is it changed my orientation about the way I'm thinking. Because what I said earlier is that the sort of application is it means everything. If you're not if you're not doing anything as a result of what of, of, the, of what's going in, then you're not making life change. And you know, you're just it's, if you if you keep doing what you've always done, you're always going to get what you always got, right? So, so nothing's going to change. Um, but the thing that about scripture um, memory verses for me that was a big deal is is it changed the way I thought because as I as I got deeper into it, because what I'm doing is a topical memory system. So what that means is is there's a topic that's attached to the verses you're learning, and so. After you go through the sort of mechanical stuff of just learning those verses and building a sort of a a toolkit, what happens or what happened for me that was again completely unexpected is it made me change the way that I'm thinking. So if something comes up in real life and it's tied to a topic that I I know verses about, that thing pops in my head automatically, and it so it changes the orientation about how I think. So those are. Those are a couple of things that um, that occur to me. Did yeah, I was just going to just add something to what you said. It, it's it's yeah, I, I ran across this with some friends in the past. Just you know, I know you're saying your your faith is new and you're you know, young and you're struggling with this. I think it's it's a, we're talking about almost myths. It's you know, just because you're a believer and a Christian, that doesn't make life any easier. In fact, mm-hmm. a lot of times it makes it harder. And the guy calls us to be obedient. So, you know, it's it's not necessarily easy. In fact, it could be harder. And, and, but the Bible is full of great examples, especially Paul, of times where the Christians had to endure. You know, so there's always going to be this. You, know, you, you can take the attitude of, you know, fighting the endurance and being upset and disappointed over it, or, or, or take the attitude that Paul had. He welcomed it and he says, you know, bring it on, you know, and I'm enduring for you guys. And, he's, and he saw. Joy in them. That's that's my last point. You know, God doesn't promise us happiness, but He does promise us, you know, the fact that we have eternal security and we have, He will support us. You know, there's a joy in that. It's not necessarily there's a difference between joy and happiness. So you have to look at. I get joy in my life because I am a believer, but I'm not going to be happy because. I think that's a great point. That it sometimes makes it harder. I mean, you could, because you know now that the things that you would run to for comfort are maybe not so good for you. So it, it makes a it makes for a real conflicted sort of situation because you're not going to roll the same way you've always rolled, and that's not that's not a comfortable situation. So um, those are those are some of the things that are, that are included in. Um, the topics. The other, um, the other couple of things on here that I haven't really talked about is um, 
I think after ha- after making certain that, that the relationship and the way the family comes together is Christ-centered is, I would say that the, the second key thing to me is love your spouse. And while, you know, that sounds, well, duh, um, the, the, the difference in a blended family is, is Richard, you have, you have your child and you have a bond with that child. You've lived with that child from the time that she was born, right? Mm-hmm. So you roll into a relationship and um, where do you run for comfort? Well, you have a pretty deep bond with that kid. And so it's easy to sort of um, focus um, on that kid in a difficult time and not necessarily focus on um, loving your spouse and seeing that she's nurtured. You know, it's real easy to focus on the kids and and the things that you know you have to focus on. So it's not necessarily, while it may be intuitive that you love your spouse, it's not necessarily easy. And again, that takes intention. And this this is frankly one of the places where I fall down. I am not the world's greatest romantic and you know for me it's you you've got to be intentional about it and you know if that means that for me that means that I need to put in my calendar and you know that may not sound romantic to Carrie but she appreciates that it is romantic because it it takes an act on my part um you know like all of you guys I'm busy I got a job I got to bring in the bring home the bacon um, and so, love your spouse, and that means, you know, get a babysitter, date them, romance them, let them know they're loved. And um, this is this is a place where I easily fall down. And I think the difference here, and you all know this, it's not like the first time around. You don't get to date, and and it's different. Because there's children involved, and you don't have that dating and honeymoon period. Um, and so you don't have that couple bond. Um, and you just have to go, that's just the way that's it is. And you can't sit there and go, oh, but I didn't have this, and we didn't get this. And you just have to move on and go, this is the way God created it, and, you know, this too will work. And, um, you know, I think of Romans 8.28. Um, that um, it's to God, it's going to be to God's glory, um, and not complain, but find joy in it, and um, and move past it. But you've got to you've got to date, and um, and I had to get past the he's not. I had to love him too, and not wait on him to um, to do all of the um, romancing me. I had to I had to also step up and say, okay, well I can find a babysitter. And I can do some of this too. I can't just be the, you know, 18-year-old waiting to be courted because I wasn't 18, you know, um, and it does look different. Um, so um, I can love him too. <laughs> um, and then it, it, coupled sort of with the love your spouse is, is also um, a little bit. It, it's we wrote it down as guard your expectations. It's um, you know it, melding a blended family is not something that happens overnight. I mean it takes a long time for um, 
for there to be um, sort of the trust and the bonds developed and you know as I mentioned earlier for us it was it was much different with Cannon our 12 year old because I knew him from the time that he was he was young and you know he's always referred to me as daddy and um, I treat him like a son and you know, I, hopefully that's going to serve me well as we go through this adolescent stage because he's a, he's hitting the age where you know he, he wants to give me the stiff arm and he wants to talk back and he wants to sort of start you know demonstrating his independence and that he's smarter than I am, which he probably is, by the way. Um, and you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it, that was different than than with with Taylor, I mean, Carrie was the step monster. I mean, you know, there was, she was, she was the bad person. I mean, she had hurdles to overcome because she was taking away his daddy. And, and I, I mean, you know, when I was, I, I sort of contributed to that because being the single dad, you know, when, in the summer times I had a job that allowed me a lot to um, stay at home and work during the summer and that's when I had sort of the focus time with Taylor anyway and so you know we had planned two week vacations and go to we'd go see every ballpark in the country we had all these crazy goals you know and, and we would go to them it was two it was a dad and his son just living life and so and if he was date up until me if he was dating anybody he would just break up with them when taylor would come into town well, i just shut down there was no dating when taylor was in town so until he met me i was sort of just so, I, was, I, was a, I was a real self-centered sort of you know it's all about me thing and um you know, it, so so it was. It, it was uh, there was a hurdle there that um, you know Taylor had to overcome some of those things and understand that you know I I really loved and cared about Carrie and that you know she was going to be the priority. Um, but ex- but going back to expectations, I had been a school teacher and had taught his age, so I just thought. I can handle it. No well, yeah, big deal. You had kids that loved you in that environment. Well. Um, and so our expectations were, we just thought it was going to be piece of cake. No, you know, we could do this. Again, I was, um, I had a master's in psychology. I mean, who could, I had I had not only taught school, but I had a master's in psychology. This is going to be so easy. <laughs> um, so, so if you, I, I mean, all of that is to say, if you're if you're prepared and you recognize that, then you know it's not quite as much of a shock when you're confronted with, you know, on the, the day we got married. You remember, Taylor? Yeah, just, I should have brought pictures. I mean, he is. Just, oh my gosh, he's he, he, the pictures of because he was like. He was like best man. He he like he stood up and, and he's in almost every picture and he's just so he's just somber like, and he's just he, he looks like he's at a funeral. I mean, looking back on it, he was so sad. He was devastated. He was so sad and we didn't get it. You and know? So we get ready to go on our honeymoon, you know, and 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 um, I'm so looking forward to getting you know getting away and going to California with Carrie and, and he starts crying because he's just used to you know. Being along for every trip, and it's just like, oh, this is such a beat now. Day one, that's reality. So you know, it's just to say, and and, yeah, just be sure that you are realistic about your expectations. I mean, that's true for everything, but I mean, there are some factors involved in a blended family that. 
cannot be denied. And so you have to be aware of them and, and think again, about how you're going to manage them. Statistics show that it takes seven to nine years to build the family identity and that the first one to two years um, are kind of the characterized as the um, feelings of being filled with hope and a better life because you think this time around, you know, I've done it once, that was my practice round, this time around it's going to be, you know, we're going to get it, it's going to be fine, um, yet expectations can be set too high. Um, and then the second stage is more of the golden period um, where issues early on are kind of resolved and so things you're kind of, you're kind of um, um, floating and doing much better. But then the final cycle in the fifth to the ninth year of the family is more of a paradoxical time where um, there can be an increase in acting out. And that's more just because of the age of the children um, where they're in their teenage years. Um, and so you just find that, yeah, you feel like you've, you've, you've gotten there, you've reached it, but now all of a sudden you have these adolescent kids where they might not be yours biologically. And so they're saying, I'm not doing this. I'm just going to go run to mom's house or I'm just going to go run to dad's house. And so you kind of have that battle of wills again from year fifth to, not, to year nine. Um, a lot of times, again, depending on the age of the kid. But, um, oh, go ahead. This is what you said, you know, you got this, oh, you're, you know, I'm going to dad. But that's a big question I have with the family. You know, you know, you're still, say, two adults over whoever the children belong to um, biologically. You're still authority, but, you know, the full authority, partial authority, no authority, that's how do you work that? That, yes. That's, that's one of the, yeah, that's we, are, the yeah, we are, we are. I mean, it's perfect timing because that's, that's next. Yeah, and, um, um, yeah, and I was just going to end with it. Um, you know, it just takes, you have to be patient. Obviously, this is a clinical, I've told you the clinical, you know, it's going to take about five to seven years for this all to fit in. And um, I would say, we feel, we have hit 10 years and I feel like our family is finally, we feel like a family. Um, Kevin said last night, you know, as we were kind of going over this, yours, mine, ours. And I said, you know what's so funny is I, I feel funny when you say yours, mine, and ours because I don't feel like it's yours, mine, and ours. I feel like we have ours. Um, and to me, that's just a description. Yeah, it's not like that's he's just saying a, that's you a way have to, yours. Instead of, you know, the lead-in of talking for five minutes, that's a way for me to... to Show my incredible communication skills and get it done in 10 seconds, right? So, uh, but anyway, that's just you know, who knows how long it'll take. A whole take different you. orientation, yeah, exactly. Just um, to ask a quick question on that, sure. Do you feel anger when, when he says that? Like when he says, no. hey, I'm taking my son to go get a burger. No. If he's if they're out shopping or whatever, and he calls you and says, Hey, you know, me and my son are grab a burger, you want anything? It's not a uh, I'm poking at you, it's just. Yeah, it, 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 you know, if it ever, because we do that, and she yeah. she takes that so like I'm stabbing her in the heart, you know. Yeah. You know, because she'll say, "Who's going with you? Just me and my daughter." Now it's I will tell a, you. A conscious. I will tell you that's now I have not been to reengage, but I have some friends doing reengage, which is the um I don't do y'all does everybody go to Watermark, um. Okay, and um, it's the um, it's it's a um, class for couples that um, for married couples that whether their marriage is great or their marriage is in trouble, it's a weekly class that you can go to to kind of help um, 
you know, with any problems that you might be having with your marriage, or even if your marriage is great and you just want it, you know, from a 9 to a 10, you can go to it. And they're doing homework each week. And I've had several friends tell me that the homework the very first week is quit saying, even if you both have your, um, you don't have blended family, to quit saying when you're mad, um, I'm taking my son or your son did this. Um, that it's our children, our car, to be intentional about your words, about it's our car, it's our house. it's um, And I thought that because um, I, I know I do that when I'm mad. Um, well, your daughter did da-da-da-da today. And, 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 and that one, by the way, is our daughter. <laughs> but if she's done, she's our um, little... Um, She's, um, a, she's a demon. She's. Uh, I can't her <laughs> but when she gets A's, she's your daughter, right? But exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So to answer that question, so, yeah, the deal, we, the deal is on that. That is, and this is kind of serves around to love your spouse. Is you know what what works. Um, you know, in general, I can say that that when we talk about, well, you, do you know what your son did? When that's a joking sort of thing, it's it's fine. But when you but say it at the wrong time, jabbing. it ain't so funny. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's probably better to figure out what doesn't work and avoid it. I think in the... And that, that takes intention, right? So more, It's to be more intentional. Right. We have, you know, we don't have his mind and ours. We have mine and ours. But um, I think that that's been a... That was early on. Not so much. I mean, that was kind of... We're in the two and a half. We're kind of yeah. working through some of that early stuff. But... And in the beginning, I do think that you have to be intentional in all relationships. You have to be more intentional mm-hmm. when you're dealing with. So you have to be so careful. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that just goes. I mean, I can. I think of. We already did the Ephesians. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You know, um, I think of a lot of verses that would fit that that immediately come to my mouth as soon as it comes out of my mouth or comes to my head as soon as it comes out of my mouth well what's weird is we don't do that to other people like my uncle called the other day and says hey would you mind if I still stop by and pick up your daughter to go to dinner I said which one right you know I mean I got four of them which one are you picking up right I don't know who you're talking about he goes well you only have one I'm like no dude I got four you
this is a really hard one because um, you know real life example for us is that that you know we both have have situations where like Cannon's dad resents the fact that Cannon calls me dad he is not allowed to call me dad in the other house and and that's a reality so you know we give him permission just you know look Cannon you, when you're talking to me on the phone and you're at your dad's house you don't have to call me dad you can call me Kevin you, you know we, we have to give him permission so that he doesn't feel so conflicted about the whole thing because he's going to get a beat down if he calls me dad right so um, you know that's just one example I, I think that the, the issue is, is really making sure that the kids are cared for and that you can close as many of the loopholes as you can of places where they can go to hide I mean, and, and some of that requires that you have some frank conversations with people that, you know, you don't like. There's a reason you got divorced, right? I mean, um, but in the interest of, of loving your kids, some of that stuff just has to be put aside. And it's a whole lot easier to say that than to do it, um, because you're not going to necessarily have a cooperative party on the other end. It doesn't mean that you, that you should just dismiss yourself, right? Um, and, and check out on that deal and and so if I need to go to um, Carrie's ex and say look you know Cannon's hitting an age where he's 12 and um, we want to make sure that he doesn't have the ability to, to do some things that he shouldn't be doing because he's playing us off of each other or those sorts of things it doesn't mean that, that Scott is going to do anything differently and, and based on past experience he probably isn't. That doesn't dismiss me from the responsibility of doing that. And that's one of the things that we've learned in 10 years, and I don't know how long it took us, is that there are certain conversations that 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 we have with, um, and, and my ex is out of the picture now because Taylor's 23. He's theoretically off the payroll, so... Theoretically. But, you know, the, the deal is, is there are certain conversations with Carrie's ex that I should have those conversations. It is not going to be... It'll be counterproductive for Carrie to have those conversations. There's... You, you know they can escalate anger really easy because you know they just they they have they still have considerable conflict they have different parenting styles um but it took time because for a long time he wouldn't even he wouldn't even acknowledge that Kevin existed he wouldn't speak to him and he still won't i mean if if i say hey scott how you doing He's he's likely to either grunt or not answer. So, I mean, I need to I need to be really intentional to to go up to him, and so I I, I respect him and give him his space, and I don't push that issue. But if there's something that involves our son, Cannon, then I'm going to him, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna get face to face with him, and I'm gonna force him to have at least some conversation. And if it's focused on Cannon and Cannon's best interests. You know, he, he's he's a freaking idiot if he walks out on that conversation, right? So. But again, that that's taken. We have have had to be Christ-centered. We've had to offer a lot of grace. That doesn't mean we do it right every time. And a lot of prayer, a lot of people praying for a lot of years for Scott and his wife 
and you know like I said every weekend that Keenan goes there and it's also been we've had to teach Cannon because he's allowed to do even though we've told Scott you know this is what we would like these are the parameters that we you know this is what we're doing here this is what you know can we come to some type of cooperation can we come to some agreement you know no this is what you know he has he wants his form of parenting over there and it's going to be different than our form of parenting here so what we've had to do is teach Cannon to self-regulate, which in the end is going to be in Cannon's best interest. It was just really, really hard when he was eight, and I knew that there was going to be Internet access and, you know, any kind of TV available. And that I just had to say when he walked out that door, I had to lay him, you know, at God's feet and just know, and it makes me cry, you know, to this day thinking about, okay, he's God's child and... God will take care of him and God will provide. I'm just curious, is the other household a Christian based household? No. Yeah. Um, now, you say that you go talk to Scott. Yeah. Do yeah. you ever do it together? Or is it just you? We have. We've tried. Um, you know, this is, this is also a place where um, I'm an accountant, so I'm, I'm like, um, I don't like to spend money. Um, and and this is a place where we we had to use the legal system to sort of um, to get to a place where um, he appreciated that we were serious we weren't going away the conversations were going to take place so you know to be inarticulate about it we we had to pistol whip him with money and and it was expensive and it was not comfortable for me and you know it frankly made me angry that you'd have to go to that extent to have those sort of conversations about his kids best interest because I mean I love Cannon he, I, I treat him like he's mine and so it was a it was the price of poker so to speak um, and um, it was well worth it because in the course of that, it gave me the opportunity to to finally get in front of him and say, Scott, you know, whatever you think, this is not about you and Carrie. This is not about you and me. This is about your son. And I, I don't care what happened with you and Carrie. And I frankly don't care what happened, you know, what will happen in the, in the future with you and Carrie. This is about Cannon and what he needs to be successful. And so, you know, that that was the first time that we really got the opportunity for that conversation to take place. And, you know, fortunately it worked out because shortly after that we were able to settle differences and come to a, a you know, a mutually uncomfortable place and agree. So you think it is there's a difference? Yep, um, I mean, does it matter if like I have a daughter, so right. I mean, would I be the one going to the, uh, my ex, or would we be together? Can I say something like that? Um, I we're in the same boat. I have a daughter that lives with me. My ex-wife is now married, and uh, uh, when she goes with him, I mean, from day one, I just laid down the my version of what man law is to him, and I just took him off the side and said, "Listen, I don't beat my daughter. I don't lay a hand on my daughter. So if you have to discipline her as the 
stepdad as the adult in this relationship, you do what you need to do because she's still a child. But if you touch my daughter, we're going to have problems, you know. And, and that was it. And it's been straight ever since then. But with her ex-husband, it's just like he, that they're talking about is that she can't talk to him. Because they don't, they don't understand. I mean, she's speaking Spanish and he's speaking French, and they don't get along, you know. And they just don't know how to communicate. So if I get on the phone and say the same thing, he's like, "Listen, dude, it's not your kids, and it's not this, and you need to stay out of it." I'm like, "Well, you know what? I pay the bills here. She's in the other room freaking out because you guys are arguing. I don't care what I am in your life. This is the deal, and you need to understand this, you know." So I, I, I think that that. Uh, uh, at the same point, if you can't talk to your ex and you know you can't talk to your ex, you kind of have to hand that over to somebody, you know. So it, it just gets to the point where you know that, okay, you know, she's your, your son or your daughter or whatever, you know, is, is in whatever situation. But if you bring it up, it's, well, you put her there. Well, you didn't teach that. Well, you didn't do that. Why did you do that? And it's non-conductive. It's it's just a circle, you know. But if somebody else says it, they, they can't throw. He can't throw that at me. Well, you didn't discipline. Well, you didn't do this. Well, you. I'm like, hey, dude, I don't care. I'm just telling you. Your daughter got suspended from school. What are we gonna do about it? You well, know? I, I'll just say this. Share my part. I've been very fortunate. Uh, my ex and I, we talk. And we try to do what's in the best interest for my daughter, or for our daughter. However you want to say that. Um, for Jade, I usually refer to her right. as the thing, Jade. Um, and so I'm very fortunate in that aspect because I know that there's a lot of situations that, that don't do that. But I can see myself being controlling as well. And going saying it's my responsibility to talk to her dad about the situation and not include whoever this my spouse would be. You know, I can see myself, this is my responsibility, I need to go take care of that. And how, I guess my question is that's what I'm asking, do you do it together? Do you do it because it's your male, female, you know? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you my perspective and she can give you hers. Um, my, my perspective is, 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 you make sure that the focus on what is because the issue when the other parent is involved is what is best for that child and so if having your husband along when that happens um, is an obstacle to coming to the best conclusion for what for that child then I think you focus on what's best. It doesn't mean that you're not in alignment with your spouse um, and, and have an agreement on what that should look like. Um, you still have to have that communicate. I mean, that's one of the things in a blended family that communicate, communicate, communicate. You can't take, you can't make any assumptions about what people think, and they all have their own little different orientation, right? So, um, I say. You know, if it works fine for you to go along together for that conversation, then that's great. But if if it creates a higher hurdle to coming to a resolution that's best for that child, I I think you just you have to you have to come to some um, identification of what's best for you in that situation. What's best for us 
has been for me to carry certain conversations, not all of them, but certain conversations need to be had. Yeah, and now that Canaan's 12, he does a lot of the communicating himself. Um, they, you know, they, he figures out what he's going to do, and he talks to. His, I mean, he talks to us, and then he goes and talks to his dad, and and now we're pretty much, pretty much out of a lot of it, um, which has been nice. You said earlier, you know, like you said, you know, the end result is obviously the child. Do what works best. If it works best together, if it works best for this person, if it works best for that person, you know, you kind of know do what works first of all, what works best. I, I, do, I don't want the other person, my, other, my spouse, to feel, um, left out or unappreciated or, or anything. I don't think that would be the case if, you know, the the, 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 the focus is still the child wants best. If, you know, for me, I think probably for most people, however that works, you know. And I would think I, as, no, I as think long as y'all communicated first yeah. together yeah. and y'all are on the yeah. same page sure. together. And we had also tried having um, someone in our community group that worked with my ex-husband go and talk to him. We tried that too. Um, an outside source that was a non, you know, a third party, um, per se. Um, you know, we we tried all sorts of things. <laughs> no, I think you have to do it because I have an ex-husband that's difficult, it's very difficult, it's very difficult. We've been down the legal road, we've done all kinds of money at it, but I'd love to hear what kind of how how that can work out for you because I think that sometimes I deal. My husband and I have moments where we deal. We actually dealt really well with each other until the day Jody and I married. And it was kind of weird because my husband just flipped the lid somehow. Well, see, that's that's what I was that's what I was going to say to you. I wasn't is seeing that coming at all. Yeah. I really. You might you might have a situation where you're really getting along, but you don't know. Yeah. You don't. I don't. I don't want to throw that on you because you don't know. But well, he is in the process of getting someone in. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Yeah. I didn't go like this all This is one of the places where you just Maybe guard your expectations because you don't know. I mean, there's another person involved that. My, my wife, my ex-wife, had access to me all the time when I was single. Yeah. So we had conversations every other night, almost every night about the kids. And you didn't realize it. As soon as I got married, you know, that makes my, my spouse insecure. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to the intention about loving your spouse. Yeah. You always have to do it in a regular family, but in a blended family, oh boy. I mean, you got to make sure your yeah. wife is numero uno because she's really insecure about the ex. Yeah. Well, I don't have I don't have the ex-wife to deal with it all, but you know I I do feel bad. Jody is so easy going, and you know for a while I tried to deal with it myself. I tried to deal with it, but it just got to the point where finally I finally turned to him and said, "Please just talk to him because I'm gonna lose my mind." <laughs> and you know what? It's very true to say that he could say the exact same thing, that he could say it in that tone and that and my husband like. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. Um, you, know, hey, you have to just be fluid, I think. Yeah. I, we're we're supposed to respect the time, and and it's it's pretty much straight up eleven. There there are there are several things that we I mean we didn't even get to, but. Well, and I think the last thing would be just that you've got to in this and what we were finishing up with is you've just got to trust in God to provide, and we had a, um, several Bible verses to back that up. Um, but and then we had a roadmap to talk about is w- w- and when once you're in the midst of it then what do you do? 
um, and we'll be happy to email that to you. We can stay and talk. Y'all are supposed to go to lunch. You have, um, I think, two hours. Yeah. You're supposed to break and go to lunch. Um, but let's see. We're supposed to remind yeah, you. Have two hours. Um, you're supposed to have a 30-minute break. No, 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 no. You're supposed to check out of your room during the lunch break. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you get spent a lot. The two things, the two things that that are on here that that we didn't talk about that I'll I'll, I'll just stress that you give some thought to or or one the communication thing. I mean, communication is always a premium. I'm not a great communicator. I I use my words up at work and don't really want to come home. And, 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 and Terry, on the other hand, I mean, she I can still have twelve thousand yeah, million words left. She could keep going. So um, communication is a premium. And then secondly, the on the on the behavior and discipline front. Um, whether you are in complete agreement about what that looks like, um, you need to be on a united, a unified front with your kids. They need to think that you are in complete agreement about. So if that means that you're sitting and you're you're putting yourself together and having this conversation for weeks on end until you come to a place that you can agree this is what we are going to do before you sit with your kids then do it because the first time they see that there's a gap in in the kids are they're, they're crazy I mean well, they're, like, they're like little us's so you know they're crazy so um, where they see a, an opportunity to exploit the, the, the difference and to, to, to um, you know kind of drive a wedge in there they're going to do it so and they've also, Cannon will use the um, the not fair, you know, um, he will use the, um, well, that's not fair. And I know, yeah, I know sort of a derivative of families of, um, you know, that aren't in blended families. I know, I know siblings do that as well, but he will pick that out a lot. Well, I've been at my dad's and that's not fair that she got this or she got to go here um, and I'm at my dad's and so she gets a lot more she gets to do a whole lot more and I feel guilty and Kevin used to feel guilty when Taylor was you know there's a lot of guilt that goes on and we could talk forever yeah so the, so the, but the behavior and discipline to me that's that's huge because it just sets you up for um, a larger conflict where there shouldn't be a conflict and and, and it can kind of take over because the kids will continue to drive away so um, come to a place and, and even if you're not 100% comfortable with it and you need to revisit it and talk about it later don't do it in front of the kids be in agreement and abide by that agreement um, you know we're all human and, and screw up so you're sure to go into the ditch on that deal occasionally but as a general rule you can't continue to have um, completely different views on the whole discipline thing because it's not going to work. You should probably do the same thing with your expectations on how you deal with your mm-hmm. spouse or your future spouse. Right. Because we didn't know that. And my wife's expectations for my conversation to drop with nothing. It was obviously too strict. And I would want a lot of conversations about the kids. And so we, we never talked about that. We've had fights. And we still have arguments over it now. Yeah. Uh, but just like you had premarital counseling, what you expect from your spouse, you should have expectations of how your, ex, your future spouse would deal with their ex. And then do it for six months or three months after you get married and revisit how we're doing. Uh, because 
hard to invest because we never ever talked about that. That was a huge conflict issue. Yeah. So well, thank you all for um, great questions and for listening to us and. Don't give us your phone numbers, emails, address. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, come up here and write your email down, yeah, and I'll be happy to. If we could get your email addresses, that would help. 